Hello and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. Uh, I finally saw that new Doctor Strange movie. Uh-huh. Oh. Did you all, have you all seen yeah. that one? I I actually haven't yet. You haven't? I know. I don't know. It's, it's movies are expensive. Is it out? Is it on the, the the streaming services yet? Now it's on Disney Plus, right? Mm-hmm. That oh, is okay. why. That is why I have seen I it. Figured, yeah. <laughs> well, that, yeah, I was like, well, if Sid's seen it, it must be on a streaming service. <laughs> yep, that's exactly. Well, uh, it's it was one of those things where I really wanted to see it, and Justin and I kept saying like, well, we could talk to mom and dad about watching the kids so we can have a date. But then if we're going to have a date, like, do we want to spend it watching a movie? Because you can't talk through a movie. Mm. And that's just a long time to get to spend together and not be able to talk. (laughs) If we got to spend big chunks of time, just the two of us all the time, then I could see using a chunk of it for a movie. But Mm -hmm. since it's so rare, I mean, it's been, I can't remember our last date. I I don't, I, I hate to... If we're going to ask for it, I, I hate to ask for it and spend it in a movie theater. That's just how I feel. Yeah. Well, that's understandable. Well, I, I was curious, though, because I will, you, you know, you know me, I seek out spoilers because I, I like to know what I'm getting into. So I know what happens in the movie. Uh, I'm surprised. Did you like it? Because I know you're a big fan of Wanda. I, uh, which I guess, like, should we not spoil it? Should I be careful? I can talk in vague generalities. Yeah. We'll, just, we'll just keep it vague. I, okay. I, I'll, I will I will not say what happened, but, you know, I will speak in generalities. I thought there were many elements of the film that I enjoyed. Um, Taylor, I think you particularly would like, as many people have already said, so this is not a spoiler at all, it's got a lot of horror elements to it. Yeah, well, it's uh, Sam Raimi directs it, who's yeah. Army yes. of Darkness, Evil Dead. And that is evident. Yes. Very evident. Like, there's some really, in particular towards the end, some very dark, cool moments that are very Sam Raimi. And, like, I enjoyed those things. I like horror movies. So, like, I liked that feel to a lot of it. It Genuinely, there are scary moments. Genuinely. Which is weird for a Marvel movie. Mm. Yeah. Um, that being said, I I have I have since read that I, Sam Raimi did not watch all of WandaVision <laughs> before this film was conceived. And I've been like watched, all of WandaVision before I watched the movie so I could understand it better. So he he watched like key moments, but not. And I think I think that and I don't mean this in an accusatory way, but I think that helps me understand why the movie treats wanda the way that it does and why i personally because i loved wandavision because it's one of my favorite things that marvel that the mcu has put out there i personally felt a little um disappointed i don't want to say i mean i don't i'm not i don't want to say betrayed because i don't feel like i'm owed anything (laughs) you know what i mean i don't i don't have that relationship with these films like they were the characters pre- presented differently than you would have expected. Exactly. It just wasn't... I, I had such an emotional connection with Wanda by the end of WandaVision that I felt like she, as a person, that, that it wasn't true to her. Mm. I've that, seen that 
I've seen a lot of people make that complaint. Yeah, I, I just I feel like they they lean so hard into the the Scarlet Witch without the understanding for how Wanda is the Scarlet Witch and the Scarlet Witch is Wanda and she can be both and and how complex that's presented throughout like that evolution in WandaVision. I don't know. I just mm. That was that's my but I mean I, I I still I enjoyed the movie for the most part. I love watching Elizabeth Olsen on screen. She's just she's an amazing actor and she's great and I love I mean we all know how I feel about Doctor Strange. We we all know. I was, yeah, I said the love was- I have for Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> <laughs> so like it was great. All that was great, but yes, I I overall at the at the like the way that it the plot was disappointed. Hmm. I like the new character that was the other main character, but I don't want to name her because I know that was a reveal. Yeah. for It's a reveal for people who know all the comic books and all the stories. It's not a reveal for people like me who are like, who is, is that a person who's important or is that another character in something? Someone who had not previously just been in the other like mainstream MCU movies. I was, That's my knowledge. I'll tell you why I was familiar with, with that character. Uh, Charlie and Cooper are huge fans. Oh, that character okay. was featured in another okay. Marvel property that was aimed at younger, a younger age group, hmm. and we have that we have that doll upstairs. I vaguely remember that now that you're saying that. Yeah. Um. So I I, I immediately was like, I know who that is. I got that doll. Yeah. <laughs> um. I was excited to see that too. Well, Tate, now it seems like you have to watch it. No, I will, now that I know it's on on uh, streaming, I will. I, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you you sense. would appreciate it. I mean, like I can see you, it, the visual, the um, the horror elements. It all that stuff is very cool and different, you know. Which I think is like the neat thing about the MCU is that we see from different directors these movies being slightly different things, you know. Oh. But. That you know, aside from aside from the arc they give my beloved Wanda. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm excited. I, I've been I've been saving it, like kind of you know finding, trying to find the time. So I'm glad it's out on streaming. I the one opportunity I had to see a movie, I chose the other multiverse movie, which was the Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh. <laughs> like it's a competition of a of multiverse movies in the theaters for a moment. Yeah. Can I tell you that their concept of the multiverse is actually fairly similar? Yeah. I, I was surprised as we were watching it and they were sort of kind of like the exposition bits where they're kind of explaining to you how the multiverse works and how people interact within it and all that kind of stuff. It's not, it, I mean, they're, fa- they're similar concepts of a multiverse. It's like they've both arrived at this conclusion. Like if there is a multiverse, this is probably how it works. Maybe they know something we don't. I love the idea of a multiverse. <laughs> I I can't. I'm I sound very hoarse and tired because I've just been really invested in another Disney multiverse, and that's the Descendants world. Mm. Um, I've been staying to watch the Descendants musical after our kids' pre-show, and I did last night. And I just got so into those songs, and they let me dance with them on stage at the end because all the kids in my pre-show were in it. So I was up there yelling and dancing and 
Love that music. Descendants will do that to you. <laughs> It'll do that to you. Uh, do you know what my kids are watching right now, Taylor? What? Uh, well, they're in the middle of rewatching Rejected for the third time. Oh no! You let your kids watch Rejected? Uh, my kids, you knew Cooper would. I love knew this Cooper stuff. would love that one. You knew yeah. this would be right up Cooper's alley. I mean, I'm not. I, I yes, I wasn't sure because I guess there's not. I mean, there is like some gross stuff in Rejected. Uh, of course, you're referencing to today's topic, which is the animated works of Don Hertzfeld, of which yes. Rejected is probably the most well known. Um, there's, there's some I bleeding anuses, not, you know. I had not seen. <laughs> I think the entire thing, but I know I've seen. Like as I was watching, yeah. I was like, "Oh, I've seen parts of like." This is familiar to me. Yeah. I know. I know. I have experienced at least parts of this, um, even if I had never seen the whole thing. That banana was somewhere deep in my memory. Yeah, I was gonna. I think that. I mean, when did that come out? Because that's been out for uh, over over a decade now. Um, I know that there was a period of time where I feel like if you were involved even tangentially with like geek culture, it, you just heard people say. A banana or my spoon's too big. Just that was just a thing. <laughs> yes, yes, this is true. Um, <laughs> it seems like it should have been before me, but I know I heard people say I'm a banana that way, and I know I saw that banana when I was growing up. Oh, uh, well, it came out in 2000, so I kind that... of thought I would have been way after that. No. Maybe maybe it was one of those things that it got put on YouTube or something when YouTube first started like being other things being put on YouTube and people were rediscovering it. Possibly. I mean, because um, that's I mean, that's that is how I experienced a lot yeah. of things where like people just sort of put random videos of part of something on YouTube and then you'd find it and be like, what was that? <laughs> Where, yeah. What did I just and it's labeled wrong and nobody knows what it is and it's illegal to put it there. And you're like, what did I just interact yeah. with? That's how MP3s were at first. That's how music was. Like you would download a song and you're like, that is not what I thought it was. And that is, there's no way that's the right (laughs) artist. What am I listening to? This is just a soundbite from a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but I, I had it when I turned on the TV, like my search from where I had been watching those last night was still up. And there's one cartoon that I forget what it was called, but he, uh, it, it was done with Mike Judge. Oh, yeah. He did work with, uh, was it the animation show? Yes. And it was like the first thing. And there's a picture of a unicorn on the little, like, image on YouTube. And as soon as that popped up on the screen, both Charlie and Cooper were like, we want to watch that. What's that? <laughs> that looks good. What is it? And so I turned it on and they loved it. And mm-hmm. especially Cooper. Cooper was like, yelling with laughter at parts of it oh that's amazing yeah and so as soon as they were done they were like what's we want to watch more of whatever this is (laughs) so i knew all the blooding in rejected would uh yeah would appeal to cooper yeah there's there's i was that's what when i was was like oh this is one that sydney at least it's safe to have on with the girls in the room unlike some of my choices but then when there was all the blooding i was like or is it i don't know it's cartoon violence. The um the Cooper loves cartoon violence. And she loves blooding. The my anus is bleeding really got her. <laughs> she liked that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Charlie after after the first few times was just sitting there with her eyes covered. 
<laughs> and Cooper's just like, like literally, she was laying on her stomach with her like chin propped up on her fist, you know, watching it. With a big smile, just laughing and like kicking her legs, like this is amazing. <laughs> Where has this been my whole life? I love that. I uh, that makes me very happy. I, that makes sense, though. I, I think, especially rejected, because some of the some of his other work that I really love, it's a little bit more serious. There's a little bit more narrative to it, and I think rejected actually has a very like a sophisticated narrative to it. Mm-hmm. But the individual shorts are just just pure glee in how bizarre and, and wacky and, and fun they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to explain just for everyone listening at home, like the, the plot of the, I guess the big animated shorts of Don Hertzfeld that we're, that we're talking about. Or even yeah. The, the three that I, I sent y'all and I don't know if you got around to all of them, uh, were uh, rejected. Um, it's such a beautiful day, and uh, World of Tomorrow, um, which were like the my three favorites. Uh, there is a ton of shorts and other animated work. Um, rejected is the one that really put him on the scene. Got got him like you know big like Oscar noms and stuff. Uh, and that is uh, the the plot is it's a a bunch of rejected cartoons from an animator like the first uh, for like the family learning channel and that's kind of like a tlc parallel and then like it goes on to like sort of like a whatever home like johnson and johnson kind of commercials mm-hmm. but they're all like fake and the plot line is this this animator is making these cartoons and getting more and more what frustrated or or upset at working in advertising and and you know his artwork is becoming more and more unhinged uh and you're just seeing the cartoons um I I have to admit, I had a moment where I was sitting there thinking, is the Family Learning Channel real? <laughs> <laughs> is this real? Because, and but you know what, it occurred to me, which of course I figured out like this isn't real. Like I, I got there. Yeah. But I had that moment because that sort of, not exactly like the cartoons that are presented and rejected, but that kind of absurdist thing is used today sometimes like you do see ads or little clips that have nothing to do but like they're an ad for something but they don't have anything to do with like that what what we're seeing is sort of like the that idea well that that now we use well and that's actually uh i don't know if it's a bit of controversy but it's been pointed out that like uh do you remember the pop tarts commercials that were all stick figures, very simple drawings. Yeah, yeah. And they were kind of weird and not really about Pop-Tarts. Um, and looks exactly like Don Hertzfeld's style. Those came out after Rejected, and I'm fairly certain they'd at least talk to... Like, Don Hertzfeld does, does not do advertising. He, he doesn't. He's very stern mm-hmm. about that. That, like, they seeked him out to do commercials, and mm-hmm. he, was, he said no. And so they're like, well, we're just going to take your style and do something like it so gosh i think his i mean he he, this specifically rejected at such a big impact it was so popular and so well known that like a lot of commercials kind of pulled from that unironically (laughs) well i mean i do even if even if the um style is different it's that idea 
that that sort of like that idea is a huge idea that we accept as commonplace now mm-hmm. but like to advertise something by creating something that is memorable and like you have an emotional response to and you immediately will latch on to but doesn't necessarily have anything to do with yeah. what you're promoting that idea is pervasive and i it just makes me wonder if this is where if this was sort of the birth of it you know mm. i mean it definitely inspired a lot of that uh mm-hmm. which is funny because the work itself is is very much about the struggle of doing work that you're not passionate about for just for money you know working in in advertising which is you know once again something he's very much uh, against mm-hmm. i i saw him speak uh a while ago I think it was right after uh, It's a Beautiful Day came out. He had like a a showing here in New York. And uh, he made this this statement that has stuck with me uh, for so long. He he was talking about why he doesn't want, like what, just what commercial art feels like for him. And he was, he used, he said, you know, it's like, imagine your favorite thing in the world is to go on like a a lovely walk in the woods. You know, you you go for a lovely walk in the woods every day and you see the trees and you smell the grass and it's so nice. And then someone says, all right, you love walking. I'm going to pay you X amount of money to walk around this one square city block wearing a sandwich board. Well, you love walking. So you should love this. You should love this job. But it's not the same thing, you know? That that's kind of, and he's like, yeah. I'd rather, I, 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 he made the point, he's like, I, honestly, if at some point my own art doesn't pay the bills, I'd be more likely to go work in a coffee shop than, uh, you know, go to advertising. And afterwards, there was like a little meet and greet and you can get him to sign your stuff. But I, I was working at a co- in a coffee shop at the time. And I said, I really appreciate what you said there. Because I was like, I work in a coffee shop because I can't make money on my art. And he looked at me. He was like, no, I, that's not bad. I wasn't saying it was bad. And I was like, no, no, no. I didn't think you were saying it. I didn't think that. I was, I, I was agreeing with you. Like, <laughs> this is a very, very kind uh, yeah. man. But Well, I think that's an important message, though that we don't ever hear enough of um, like given, given a megaphone, which is that you can do something that has value that isn't monetary. It just because like things that, that is such our, our measure of whether or not something is useful or successful or if you should be doing it like, well, are you making money off your art? Okay. Then you're successful. So you can keep doing it. Oh, you're not making money. Well, you should do something else without that sort of idea that like, well, maybe making money off something isn't the only way it can have value. That's fine. We do things to make money to survive. We that is the that's the time and place we live. But we could also do things that have other value for us, for others, for society as a whole. And it has nothing to do with monetary value. And we we almost never talk about that. When like especially to inspire young people, well, the way we inspire young people is to say, get a good job and make money. Yeah, you know, make a good life for yourself, buy a mm-hmm. nice house, you know, ha- have a a fancy dog. I don't know what do people want. A fancy dog. <laughs> a fancy dog. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What are the things people want? That, that sounds like like an alien just answered that question. <laughs> <laughs> what do humans want? <laughs> fancy fancy dog. dogs. Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, well, you know, some humans I, do want fancy dogs. <laughs> do you do you want a fancy dog? Is this is this a you thing, Sid? We know we, we you know that I don't do fancy, and I also I'm sorry. No, this is not man. I'm going to get us canceled. I am a cat person personally. I have nothing against dogs. I just prefer cats. I I would rather own a cat than a dog. Please don't cancel me for saying that. I, I think that's okay. I think you you just can't you just can't not like dogs. I I did not say that. I don't have anything against dogs. Dogs are fine. I just would prefer to own a cat. I'm very busy, and I cats are lower maintenance. Fair. Uh, well, I, I've been uh, I've been reading this book. It's by Jerry Saltz. It's called How to Be an Artist. And it, it, reading that while rewatching some of these was interesting because it's just so, so much art. Uh, but in it, he talks about he he, he says the phrase. You know, it's, it's, it's all just about, like, inspiring you to be an artist. But he says, you know, you're making art, not product. And I feel like that's the line that gets lost. I don't... Mm-hmm. Art is a different thing. Art is its own impulse. It's its own need met. It doesn't have to sell. It doesn't have to make money. It, it's It's not part of the process. But I think that those lines get so blurred in today's capitalist hexscape where it's like no anything you do needs to be justified by money Mm -hmm. and and you know i i even find myself like sometimes putting time into art that's not really art it's product and it's like well i know this will sell and i'm like what but why there are so many other ways easy ways to make money that there's so much less effort well i should just do the art that makes me happy making art and then go you know i work at a restaurant that makes the money that's the thing that makes the money (laughs) You know, I've seen people recently talking about that same concept with video games and video game art, that the reason that people sometimes will, like, go on and on about uh, art in, like, indie video games, smaller video games, is usually because the people making those games are not working for big companies that are, you know, tasked to make this art, to make this money and continue this game series or whatever. They're doing it because they care about, like, the story they're telling and they're there for the creation of the whole thing. Um, and that it's rare to see that same kind of like real excitement for like big mainstream video games and their art style anymore. That like obviously they look good, but there's no like, there's no oomph there. You can tell some of the smaller games that like it's someone who is involved in it and cares about it. I think it's mm-hmm. interesting you say that, that you can tell it's a difference between someone who's doing it as a job and someone who like, yes, they might make money from it, but they also care about the whole process of it. Um, I want to I want to explore this more. And also, um, I I want to talk more about the idea of how this sort of inspired. I think some of the, the stuff I watch with my kids has been informed by the, by this anyway. But before we do that, let's check the group message. Uh, So it's summer, and for me, that means a little bit more traveling, and one of my favorite things to do when I'm traveling is listen to podcasts, and there's no better way to listen to podcasts or whatever you like to listen to, audiobooks, music, whatever, than Raycon wireless earbuds. Raycon's everyday earbuds look great, they sound better than ever, and my favorite part is they have optimized gel tips for perfect in-ear fit. I can't tell you there's nothing worse Then when you're riding on a plane, let's say, and one of your earbuds pops out, then you got to search under the seats. Well, you're not going to have that problem with Raycon. Plus, 
They give you eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life, so you can marathon that entire podcast series if you want to, no problem. Plus, Raycons start at about half the price of other premium audio brands. What a deal. So go to buyraycon.com slash buffering today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash buffering to score 15% off buyraycon.com slash buffering. So one thing that we're kind of hitting on before we stop talking about capitalism is <laughs> um, let's talk about capitalism. No, but I think, I think what's interesting is what you're hitting on is that, that dissonance uh, between doing something because it's what you love or, you know, it, it has other value and then doing something for money is it exists in everything we do really like I found it I have found it in medicine right like I love taking care of people having to do it as a job for money and because in in this country it is such a it is it is like we are moving towards a consumer model I am selling you medical care you are buying medical care from me I don't see it that way but that is the that is the framework we have and so when it when your experience with your doctor feels impersonal, that's why, because that's the framework. And so I am trying to move out of that and provide medical care for free so that I can do better and find joy in it once more. Um, I think the thing is, art has the ability to challenge that head on because it's the most dissonant. It's the most clear, I feel like. I feel like because it is, it's more pure than a lot of, you know what I mean? It's like self-expression. Yeah. It's 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 such a pure example of that, which it makes me wonder if that's often where we see like the beginnings of like revolutionary movements and thought is in the artistic world, because you have that that very clear dissonance between I'm doing this for money. I'm doing this to self-actualize. Yeah. Well, and that's because yeah, yeah, it's just two different headspaces, you know, like you can't you can't. Sometimes work that means something to you can accidentally be very popular and sell. <laughs> but that's, right. you know, if you start out, it's, it's, it's sort of an opposite, opposite direction. Because when you want to make something that sells, you look at what's selling currently. What are the current trends? What do most people like? What will appeal at the widest level? And you, you come inwards with that. Whereas the, the way you make stuff that, I don't know, means something is you have a conversation internally with yourself. Like, where am I at right now? What, are my, what am I feeling? What am I struggling with? What am I frustrated with? Or you, you don't even ask yourself questions. You just start making something and then it, 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 get, it goes somewhere. And then it goes inward to outward instead of outward to inward. I don't know. And I mean, that's I, I have so much respect for someone like Hertzfeld because, you know, his, his work, it's not it has very strong like narratives and meaning and it's very powerful and it's, it's art. It's, you know, it's, it's enjoyable. I don't think it's, it's highbrow and snooty by any means. It's not, it's very communicative, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely is. I mean, obviously like we enjoyed it, but so did my seven year old and my four year old, Mm -hmm. you know, and there, there has to be at that age for it to be enjoyable. It has to be communicating something. You know, they're not they're not going to look at something that is highbrow and snooty and, ha- and enjoy it. And they did. Um, 
so I think it definitely does that. It, it's inter- it, it strikes me almost as like, um, you know, in like a, a fashion show when they do like couture that people aren't really meant to wear. Mm-hmm. It's more just like to move fashion in a direction. Sometimes it reminded me kind of of that. Like this is moving art and animation and our thoughts and like humor and our view of things. It's moving us closer to something you know, it's like it's like changing the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, especially when you consider how resistant he is to more modern animation techniques, like a lot of his stuff he shot on what is it? it's like a camera that they used to shoot uh, peanuts back in the day. Like, yeah, uh, it's incredibly labor intensive, like especially for a simple I mean, I say simple, I mean, simple in the fact that it's it's stick figures. Uh, not simple in what's going on, mm-hmm. but it would be so easy to animate that in a very simple computer program. And instead, this is single cell. Everything's hand drawn, hand shot. Uh, the effects he gets in some of them, and like it's such a beautiful day where you get the little kind of halo, little holes. Mm-hmm. Like he's shooting through paper, and that's sort of just a technique that he kind of just came up with. I mean, it's so fascinating, and I think it is that it's. It's once again, instead of just looking around like, what's popular? What's working? What sells? It's like, what direction do I want to move in? What do I personally respond to artistically? And this is it. This is what I like. I'm going to do this. Yeah. And I will say there's definitely a lot to think about and discuss in the end of It's Such a Beautiful Day. (laughs) That, I will say, uh, Charlie and Cooper watched the end of it with me. (laughs) And that was a little much, I think. That, yeah. I think they were both having, like, mini childhood existential crises. Having to ponder, like, their mortality and their existence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that, that one is definitely, I mean, it's probably, because, you know, that's, it was originally three separate short works, and then mm-hmm. they collected, he collected it, re-edited it all together into that, like, what, hour-long mm-hmm. kind of full-length feature. Uh, but that's probably my favorite piece of his. It is, it is very heavy. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. There's something so beautiful about that one. I mean, because it's also that that work specifically is sort of it's telling the story of this character, Bill, who has they don't really say specifically what his his condition is, like perhaps a brain tumor, mm-hmm. but also like a family history of mental illness. Um, and just sort of as he is struggling through his life, his adult life, and then going into his childhood and his family members past uh it's it's just so sad (laughs) it is yeah but in such a beautiful way it's something about the style you know there's this concept in cartooning um it's if you've if you study comics at all you've had to read understanding comics by scott (laughs) mcleod which is a great book but like the the passage in it that i'm thinking of is uh how he talks about how we connect with things it's almost like a parallel to like the uncanny valley kind of idea mm-hmm. if you have a very simple style of cartooning drawing whatever you know like a smiley face we can all connect to that we can all project ourselves into that the more specific you get the harder it is to project onto so you know, going all the way up to realism, where you recognize that as a character separate from yourself, you might relate to them after learning about them, but you're not going to relate to them just looking at them. But we can all see ourselves in very simple forms. 
uh, you know, it's it's kind of like the Mickey Mouse mm-hmm. idea. It's just, you know, yeah. very simple. Um, and that's, I think, what's one of the things that's really powerful about Hertzfeld's design is in these, like, little kind of sad, meandering stick figures, it's very easy to see yourself and in a very sympathetic way. I think that's true. Yeah. And I think especially in the context of, like, trying to tackle mortality and... <laughs> all of like human existence and you know time ending to see humanity as something as simple as a stick figure is pretty i mean i think that i think that's a very powerful humbling i don't know i i think that's a good that makes sense it 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 computes to me (laughs) well it allows i think for whatever the meaning of it of any of these stories are his his style and using those simple figures allows for the message and the meaning to be center because it's being told on this like sort of simple foundation that what you're looking at isn't key. It's like what the meaning of all of it, I guess. Um, it's a little bit easier to digest all of that looking at it through stick figures. Mm-hmm. Then. It's also interesting the idea that as humans, we can create something this simple and then it lasts throughout all of time. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a powerful idea. And it lasts because we made it. And that is it. Mm-hmm. Which is a big idea. <laughs> and maybe maybe too big for my seven and four year old. Sure. Yeah. Well I forgot yeah, that's right. The whole ending where he doesn't he doesn't die and then there's the whole passage of he lives forever. That's it. I didn't know if that was a comment on like animation or if it was more just like, Well, we don't ever want anyone to die. It would be sad if he died here. Oh, but what's the opposite? He goes on forever. He lives eternally. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And watches the stars go out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. So I was waiting out. after it, after it ended. I was waiting for Charlie Cooper to look at me and be like, so did the stars go out or <laughs> what was up with that? <laughs> like, when does that happen? Uh, did like, you? Uh, anyway. Did you get to see World of Tomorrow? Any of that? I watched. Either of you? I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched clips of it. Mm-hmm. Because we got, honestly, I got stuck with the girls watching what they wanted to watch. So I did watch more. I watched other things that you did not tell us to watch because okay. they wanted, yeah. Right. We watched like the Simpsons one. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> not just the Simpsons. <laughs> we, we just watched the Simpsons for a while. Well, that's that's not really the same thing, but all right. <laughs> no, no, we watched the, it, that one made me laugh out loud. Did you, Have you seen that one? I have not. I would recommend. He did like he did one for the Simpsons mm-hmm. and it's it's very it's very funny. Yeah. It's that same style. Like the Simpsons become redrawn in his style and um he's just I don't know. It's just I I found it hilarious. Well, I was I was uh, the World of Tomorrow is it's got a little girl character is at least the main character for the first two episodes. So I thought the kids would maybe enjoy that, but I'll I mean, have them watch that next. I mean, cause they were loving everything we watched. I just, I was stuck in that YouTube thing of the, whatever image they liked is what they wanted to watch next. Well, and it's very specific, like where he puts like the, I think the only place you can stream the full, uh, it's such a beautiful day and a uh, world of tomorrow is on his Vimeo. It's just, it's so random that he's got a, a Vimeo like not it's which is good I mean it's 
he's one of those that's very controlled about like the format you watch something in mm-hmm. kind of matters, you know. And so I guess he has he he just happens to like the way things look on Vimeo. Um, mm-hmm. It is it is a more attractive interface than say YouTube because you don't have the other things to the side and beneath it. It's kind of a sure a black box, right? Um, but that's uh. that one too deals a lot with mortality and eternity. Can I ask maybe a silly question, but something I couldn't stop thinking about? Kind of like the logistics of short film in this era. What? Where did these get like p- published for the first time? You know what I mean? Like, were these in all like in film festivals? Because in my mind, today the short shorts I'm aware of are way shorter, and they're just usually those like little Disney animated shorts mm-hmm. they put before other Disney movies. Like that's about the extent of shorts that I'm familiar with today or anything that gets like put on YouTube that then becomes popular on YouTube. But obviously this was before that. So are these like film festival hits that then became more widely distributed? That's a good question. And I do not know. Um, I rejected was released in theaters. Uh, okay. I, I don't know if it was like part of a series of shorts or just on its own. Um, uh-huh. And a lot of the other, like the the meaning of life or like the the things that eventually became some of the bigger works, those were released at film festivals, like released okay. at Sundance and stuff. So yeah, I mean, you know, and even so, like I said, like a lot of, there is stuff that's some of the sh- other shorts that have ended up on YouTube, but a lot of the stuff is kind of, I think there's been more, more venues that it could have been released on. He's just had more... C- purposeful control over that sure um i think even like the having stuff streaming is a a relatively new development because i remember when he spoke he was specifically he 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 said that he you know knew some of the stuff was up on youtube and that's fine but he prefers to have that like you know the dvds i have Mm -hmm. the dvds (laughs) where you can have some uh, some control over how it's looked at but it, it's just interesting to me because I feel like that medium of short animated film has taken on such a different context than what I was prepared for watching these. Um, because I watched a lot of videos very similar to this. I don't know if you all were probably too old, but there was a series on YouTube for a while when YouTube was first a thing called ASDF Movie, which was very similar animation style to Don Hertzfeld. Um, kind of a bunch of little shorts put together in one long short. Um, but stuff like that just was on YouTube. You know, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have ever been considered for nominations for awards or anything like that. It just went viral on YouTube and it was watched a lot and put on, you know, Tumblr a lot. Um, and then there are the, like I said, the tiny Disney animated shorts. But I feel like it's such a, a good venue for communicating messages and stories like that because we've talked about how i think animation is you know a powerful way of telling stories and sometimes you use that for adult messages and people are able to move past thinking it's for kids and um sometimes people forget that but i I feel like it's lost that that whole world isn't as prevalent now Mm -hmm. i guess i feel like is what i'm saying it's that you know if you think about it that structure and length is also it's like disruptive in and of itself because it doesn't naturally fit into like how we pay for things yeah you know mm-hmm. i kind of like that about it like it's it's short for like going to the movie theater but when do we like 
when do we watch that on TV per se? You know what I mean? Like, how exactly do you distribute that? I guess like DVD makes the most sense. But then now it, I, that's it's really interesting because it is kind of like it's even its form is disruptive. Yeah. Everything about it is speaking to that message of working against what is just most popular to the consumer mm-hmm. and most convenient to make money. Um, I think that's really neat. Yeah. Well, and I think it leads to an interesting conversation about like, I mean, it, it does kind of come back to art versus product. Like product needs to be accessible. Having that, you know, everything available on a subscription service or on the internet makes the, the most sense in that aspect. But then when you think of art, like, ooh, art, it's in a gallery. You have to go seek out the art, you know, you have to know where to find it. It's It's part of paying respect to the art. And I don't know, you know, I don't know where... Because the medium can be, it's animation, it can be streamed, it can be released easily on the internet. It, it's it's an interesting, like, resistance of, like, just because it can be viewed at all hours of the day, at all time, if I want it to be, does that mean that I want it to be or that it has to be? Right. Or can I say, no, no, you need to, you know, you need to watch it the way that I'd like you to watch it because it's art and I put a mm-hmm. lot of work into it and that's part of the experience. I don't know. It's it's a it's a tricky question because on the flip side you do want the more people that can experience things like that I think it's important as humans mm-hmm. to experience those things so I always hear that it's the same argument we've talked about that a lot with like um, stage shows with mm-hmm. musicals and and plays everyone needs to experience some of these works I was just talking about that what is the what are what profits are we harming if we release some of those old pro shots from shows that have been like off Broadway for decades you know what i mean but it's hard because there are some who would argue like you're supposed to experience that in the theater that's how that's how the medium works and i understand that as someone who loves theater but i also want everybody to be able to experience that not everybody can go to a theater and so you know it's a tough i don't know well well, i don't think i mean i feel like uh, my opinion on that is because i know just recently like there was a some john waters movies were being shown in a theater and i've seen them plenty of times at home but i was like oh but the opportunity to see like pink flamingos on a on a in a theater scale that's a Mm -hmm. nice opportunity i want to take advantage of that if you really love something you're still going to seek it out you know if you see that dvd of a play that you can have access to and it's affordable that doesn't mean that one day if you are in the place or have the the money or the opportunity you're not going to see it live like you know if anything i think it creates an audience yeah mtv professionally recorded Legally Blonde the musical all those years ago and I watch it all the time but if I had the opportunity to see the touring version of Legally Blonde you know I'm going to be right there you know oh, I'm going to be seeing that if I ever get to see Spongebob the musical on stage <laughs> front row right here I'm not joking this is, this is completely are very questionable <laughs> this is completely earnest um, I also wanted to say Tay do you, I, you probably wouldn't have looked into this um, but this felt to me like it, Don Hertzfeld had to have been a huge inspiration for the cartoon The World According to Gumball. My kids love that show. And it felt like as I was watching, I was like, oh, this is where. Yeah. Doesn't it feel now so that you say that, I can similar? Definitely see that. Yeah. I don't, I do not know The World According to Gumball. Um, I know the cartoon, but I, that's. Oh, it's. Is there like a special feature? Is it, that's the one with like the little blue guy, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And There's everything's a, very weird, like every, the characters. All the characters it's are weird. They use different like absurd. animation sort of style. Some people are 
in color. Some people are sort of drawn. Some sometimes are like claymation type stuff. Yeah, some yeah. are claymation. Sometimes like realistic, like hyper realistic. I mean, like it's all the backgrounds are all different too than the and the, it is somewhat surreal all the time and like the characters say random. I don't know it. It just it's more. Um, orderly because it's for kids so like it you know there is a plot that's very obvious for children but also it has that feel i just felt like whoever made the world according to gumball had to have watched this you know these don hertzfeld things and thought oh i want to do something like this for children i mean i think it was i feel like his work is is I, i'm sure i'm not alone in that like it was a big deal when i was in school like it, it was a reference point to my entire class of cartoonists. So I would imagine it probably was a big deal to a lot of animators. Mm-hmm. I would think. And I can yeah. see, I can see, Tay, when, as I was watching it, it's it's fun when I watch these things that I had never seen. I have seen some of this stuff, like I said, but not, I didn't know who did it. I didn't know the name Don Hertzfeld. I didn't know that sort of concept of, of what his work is. Um, but seeing it, and knowing you, it's fun to see like, oh, this is part of Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> like, I recognize this part of Taylor. This is where this inspiration, you know, this is what you connected to. This is part of you. Yeah. yeah well, I, I appreciate you all for uh, taking some time to watch it. Yeah, I mean, I, it's one of my favorite things. I don't know why I haven't brought it up before, but, you know. I really enjoyed it. I, I again, mm-hmm. I don't know why I would have seen Rejected at some point. I don't think I'd seen all of it, like every part, but sp- specifically that banana like hundred percent as soon as i saw it i was like well, i've seen this before i know this i've seen my anus is bleeding <laughs> yeah i know i've seen that <laughs> like that hit like that struck as soon as i saw it i was like unless you've just said it i don't know maybe <laughs> well it's funny because i feel like that was one of the other ones that if you knew you knew and that was just a joke you could make but Maybe that was the one that was you said less because if you were in mixed company and you just said anus <laughs> is bleeding, people might look at you a little funny, you know. That's yeah. true. The other ones are a little bit more innocuous. But. Yeah, it's going to be fun when Cooper starts yelling that <laughs> in school. Yeah. Or I really enjoyed it. No, thank you. I appreciate. I, I'm. I'm. Thank you for watching them. And Sydney, I'm so glad that your your girls uh, enjoy the. Some of it, yeah. Don't, you don't. They don't need to watch the stuff that makes you contemplate existence. Just the, the fun stuff. No, the, I'll, bleeding butts. I'm gonna watch the world of tomorrow before I let them watch it because they were they were finding lots of other things to enjoy in the meantime. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Riley. Yes. What's next? So I thought we could talk about um, one of my favorite musical artists, uh, Phoebe Bridgers. She has an album that's one of her, not her most recent album, but one of her most popular called "Stranger in the Alps." Um, that has very quickly, as I've gotten more into it, become one of my favorite albums. So, right. thought we could talk about her. Sounds good. All right. Well, Taylor, thank you again. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, like like Taylor said, Don Hertzfeld. Uh, some things are available on YouTube, but then Vimeo is where you can watch everything streaming. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, please check that out. It was it was wonderful. Um, and your kids may or may not enjoy it, but I would watch it first. <laughs> there is some blooding. There is and some existential dread. Yeah, yeah. both. <laughs> My favorite things. So you be the judge of what your kids will enjoy. <laughs> blooding or existential dread. Uh, thank you to Maximum Fun. You should go to MaximumFun.org. Check out all the great shows there. 
Uh, you can tweet at us at stillbuff. You can email us at stillbuffering@maximumfun.org. And thank you to the Novellas for our theme song, Baby Change Your Mind. This has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am still buffering. And, and I, I am too. can't wait to hear Cooper start quoting this. I know. You know she's gonna. She just was laughing with such glee at the blooding. A man goes to the doctor and says that he's depressed and that life seems cruel. The doctor says, ah, the treatment is simple. The great clown Pagliacci is in town tonight. Go and see him and you will surely feel better. The man bursts into tears and says, but doctor, I am Pagliacci. Ah, okay, says the doctor. In which case, try listening to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is a multi-award winning comedy podcast and you can find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.